I hear it all the time. Going off ain't on the same shit. So innovative. Y'all the next best thing, sis. Whatever. I just laugh with it. Because today's fan is tomorrow's rap critic. It's the Going Off Podcast with a rap critic and muse. And we're and boy, we got we got a show for you today. I, I, yo, oh God, like, give me give me that big Sean. Oh God, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> damn. <laughs> whoa, <laughs> why does he sound unaffected when he says whoa, whoa? <laughs> he's like fucking. He's giving us fucking Keanu Reeves. Like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. So we gotta we gotta get into it because we got a special guest with us today. Yes, welcome to the Going Off Podcast, Dorian Dawes. Uh, how would you like to introduce yourself? Like, what? Uh, that, that was shit. <laughs> what is it that you do? What? What? We invited you. But we have no idea who you are, what you do. Actually, who is this person that just wandered into the studio? <laughs> back up, back up. Let's let them introduce introduce themselves. <laughs> Uh, hi. <laughs> let, let, let the people know. All right. Hi, I'm Dorian Dawes. I am an author of fantasy, science fiction, and horror. I have a monthly uh, blog slash article column called Ethics and World Building. I also do uh, Game Master Advice for D&D, Pathfinder, and any sorts of tabletop RPG you might have played. I also, uh, I also tweet quite a bit. Is there anything you would want people to check out um, in particular? Uh, well, uh, I have one book out currently. It's called Harbinger Island. You can get uh, off of Amazon and Goodreads under Manifold Press. And next month with Nine Star Press, I have a science fiction uh, novel coming out called Mercs, uh, featuring a, uh, a trans bounty hunter as the main character named Talisha Artul. She's very cool. And if you like science fiction and trans characters, you should check that out. We, we just wanted to have you on because I know you primarily from the tweets yep from from the tweets i i am i'm a professional twit i highlighted a few and i was like you know what one of them we were supposed to talk about last week we had to postpone for yeah i've been traveling Uh, i had to go to a wedding in north carolina so i've been traveling all around and shit and i was thinking about going to gastonia you didn't even let me know you were in town Dude, I'm not in town, motherfucker. I'm in the state, but you know North Carolina. Every southern state is fucking <laughs> Nah, man. Everything is a hop, skip, and a jump. Everything is a fucking 15-minute walk. Where were you? Like, what uh, What city? Yeah, Charlottesville is... is uh, I mean, Charlotte is uh, just in Gastonia's back door, uh, back door, in his backyard. Were you in Charlotte? Uh, no. I was in... I, I'm in Greensboro currently. Oh. Oh, yeah. Fuck that. You made a tweet, and I, I, I want to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So uh, we've got a. Uh, I am a black, staunch, alt-right conservative. No, I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no what if I just second what? though? <laughs> it was a trap all along. <laughs> um, I have to. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> Not like this. Here's what uh, uh, was said. He said, he said, okay, I have to say the new Roseanne sucks, but it's weird some of you are acting like it's so uniquely poisonous. And I agree, I, I agree with that because I remember being like, wait, why are we acting like Roseanne's like, oh, man, she is totally bad. And then, and then, you know, on top of that, someone actually pointed out something. They're like, oh, you know, uh, Roseanne's talking about this shit. I don't like the Colin Kaepernick disrespecting the, the, the flag and that. Meanwhile, the one thing I remember about fucking Roseanne, other than that stupid show that I didn't watch, was on In Living Color when they made fun of the fact that she, like, sang the national anthem horribly. Roseanne has just been kind of, like, on this, like, like declining garbage fire for, like, the past decade. It feels like getting more and more uh, outwardly conservative. Um, especially, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with her, like, really intense hatred of trans people. Um, and, like, you know, like, TERFs and conservatives are, like, very easy allies. So, it, it all makes sense to me. Like, I, I, I can, you can kind of watch that trajectory. I, I never fucking paid Roseanne Barr the least bit right? of attention. Yeah. I never watched Roseanne. My parents did. I never thought the shit was funny. It, it just felt kind of like I, well, I already have uh, Married with Children, so I'm just gonna watch that. It, like, that's my trashy comedy show. Like, Roseanne you know what I'm was like, like the mainstream it's safer. It's not gonna be as in your face as Married with Children, but yeah, I never did yeah. any of that. I never fucked with her in any way. Recently, I had heard about that whole thing from 
a long ass time ago. I didn't even see it when it first happened, but she had done uh, a photo shoot for a magazine cover. Oh yeah, I saw that shit too. But she was like dressed like Hitler, and it was just like, uh, what's the joke? Because it looks like you just want to dress like Hitler. I feel like she is constantly trying to walk this line between being like really edgy, but also like being really traditionalist, and it's like it just it's just very weird. Now I want to get on to the next thing you said, right? You said, it really is no worse than your average Family Guy episode. We all know Peter would have voted for Trump. That that, that was the line I was like, well... I think so. <laughs> I, I, so so Peter is uh, incredibly selfish. He's incredibly selfish. Uh, he hates women. Absolutely hates women. He treats his wife like shit. He treats his daughter like he absolutely abuses his daughter. Don't know if Peter is working or middle class or not. Like, it's kind of very vague. Yeah, so, he, so okay, so he's a middle class suburban white man who hates women and thinks only about himself. Um that is your that is yeah, that is your average yeah he's literally the average profile of a Trump voter um on top of the like the rampant transphobia homophobia fat phobia sexism racism that is all in that show um yeah that like it's just as like I, I haven't I didn't see anything in Roseanne that was any worse than what I've seen in Family Guy or South Park I feel like his character is trying to be that call back to, you know, the all in the family. Like, the show even starts that way. You know, like, hey, uh, remember Archie Bunker? I'm kind of being like that. And, but the joke being that, oh, but Peter doesn't actually learn his lesson in this show. That's the, that's the subversion. However, the problem with any piece of media is that when you, like, what's the, what's the phrase? The media, the medium is the message, right? It doesn't matter if the point that you're trying to do is a, a, a takedown of the, the the sitcom and the idea of learning a lesson. And the idea is that, well, what if we did the opposite? He doesn't learn a lesson. He actually just gets worse. It's like, that's an interesting concept. But if you don't have something to temper, like, you know, to try to tell people, like, so what are you actually trying to say? There's no moral center in the show besides Meg, who just consistently suffers. And Brian, who it just turned out to basically just be another form of the libertarian atheist douchebag thing. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So, Peter, Peter never suffers. He never he never faces any uh, consequences. He never, he never has any takedowns. He never has any, like, moral moments. Uh, contrast, like, Homer Simpson, who is actually quite sympathetic, despite Homer having many similar awful qualities. Homer becomes sympathetic because Homer at least learns in some cases or at least faces consequences for the people that he does hurt whereas peter just gets away consistently scot-free okay so one episode in particular pissed me the fuck off it was the episode where meg griffin um is of course being abused by the family but for for once she decides to stand up right she talks back and she goes like this is fucking stupid i'm tired of being treated that way and she dresses down peter dresses down lois dresses down everyone in the family but then she's like, oh, but I'm not really happy or, or like uh, the whole family like hates me and everything, you know, everything's falling into disarray. And the joke moral is that, well, you know, the family needs a lightning rod. Wow. Holy shit. I didn't see that one. The point of the episode may kind of comes to the conclusion that if she's not there to be abused by the family, they're just going to abuse each other. So that's her her role is to be the the family like abused like whipping boy, as it were. And it just it's it's sickening. It's a uh, really morally repulsive. <laughs> when we talk about all in the family, I, I often go to a much more modern example, and I I always bring up um, Always Sunny because with Always Sunny. They're all terrible people. But they all face consequences. They face consequences, and you also... They're, like, miserable. Yeah, they're they're not not happy happy in how shitty they are. They often make reference to how terrible their lives are and, like, what has got them to that point. Like, it gives you the background. So, moving on to the the next thing you say, I'm really doing, like, a tweet dissect here. Because this I actually don't know about, so I actually would like you to inform me. said, remember how bizarrely right-winged and borderline racist the first season of the X-Files reboot was? Oh, my God. Okay, so, um, I stopped watching because I kind of, like, um, was afraid that they were going to take it a direction and that they ended up taking it in so um but yeah there was like this alex jones style conspiracy theorist um yeah uh and he's he explicitly like is like super like it's not a subtle show right and he ends up being right 
Um, and then there's like this weird terrorist subplot that's just like really fucking racist. Um, I can't. I don't even want to go into the whole thing because it just. But yeah. Um, th- but this happens a lot, right? Like, um, like we get like all these like like our our media like panders consistently to the right, consistently to the worst aspects of conservatism. But for some reason, with Roseanne, I guess it's a it's somehow different for people, even though this is, like, a consistent problem. She's not relevant, and so it's easier to dump on her. Yeah, Like, yeah. she has no she has no financial power right now, so it's real easy to be like, look, hey, we found the one uh, uh, Hollywood Trump voter, let's dump on her. Yeah, it, it feels like feels like they're just scapegoating her, um, which I, I have no sympathy for Roseanne. Like, again, she's been absolutely horrible for years, so it couldn't have happened to a nicer person. At the same time, I'm like, y'all are just letting all the other, like, why does Seth McFarlane keep getting to be, like, a transphobic, misogynistic dick face? You know, you know what the whole Roseanne thing reminded me of was the recently canceled Last Man Standing with other outspoken Hollywood conservative uh, Tim Allen. And when Last Man Standing got canceled, uh, all these Trump voters got up in arms about how, oh, this is an attack on conservatives and they're they're punishing Tim Allen because he's a conservative. It's like, you know... Had anyone just thought to themselves that maybe the show just maybe wasn't performing well or maybe it was just getting bad reviews? Like, I watched one episode of Last Man Standing for for a web series of our own. He was Archie Bunker unlikable, but that was there was no joke to it. It was just, right. oh man, he's homophobic, he's rude to his family, and they just let him get away with it. It's like if Archie Bunker got to write All in the Family. <laughs> And they let it go on for like six some odd seasons. Like, yeah, dude. apparently it's been on for a while, so it's not like it was like, oh, one episode, and then all the liberals came and protested. Yeah, I'm about to say six seasons. I'd say that's a pretty successful run for a TV show. <laughs> the X Files got so bad, like the last season, that I think David Duchovny and um, I forgot her name. God, may the gays forgive me. Uh, Gillian Anderson, that's horrible. Um, th- I think they're they're not coming back. Like they're just like no, like oh, wow. it's it's yeah. Wow, they're like you go do this shit, you can't do it with us. <laughs> yeah. A lot of conservative comedy is just exaggerating something. Like liberal comedy is pointing out the irony of a situation, right? Oh, uh, Trump is okay with this, but he's not okay with that. You know what I'm saying? But with conservatives, it's like you want the uh, Mexicans to come over and rape our women and do all this. You know, it's just like all this over the top shit. And it's just like. It's just like, where's the joke there? You're just like, you're just prophesying doom and gloom. And it's not really like what I would call <laughs> yeah. a joke. It's like, yeah, it's like, is there a setup and punchline to this? It's not <laughs> like you're just ranting. I, I'm about to tear your world apart because I am not going to let you stand there and bash my conservative comedians you're you can't tell me that you didn't see this gem from mike huckabee <laughs> what? okay so if you haven't I'm, I'm gonna try to read this and tell no, me that this doesn't it. fucking knock your socks off oh, had a colonoscopy today my doctor was actually russian now that is what i call russian meddling they put me to sleep with the same stuff michael jackson used when i woke up i moonwalked Right out of the hospital. That is fascinatingly horrible. <laughs> Mike Huckabee's like, jokes are just like the most like linguistically amazing things to look at. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what the like is he at what point does he actually like laugh at this shit? Like what's happening? <laughs> Halfway through he had to stop himself. Should I really go for two jokes in one tweet? I don't know if they can right, handle he was it. Just like, yo, he really thought he was up in the ante. It feels like halfway through he forgot what his original joke was and transitioned <laughs> right. it to another one. <laughs> <laughs> Did either of you run into any April Fool's jokes no! on April Fool's Day? No! I, I, I think that just done. I felt weird. I felt weird that I put out a joke episode. I'm looking around I'm like, God damn, where's everybody? <laughs> I ran into one April Fool's joke. Uh, Path of Exile temporarily changed the name of their game to Path of Exile Battle Royale. <laughs> Um, okay. and it was like, we've decided to ignore all of the previous genre of the game and decide to cash in on that PUBG goodness. <laughs> oh, oh, I saw one thing on Facebook. It was like, he's been in England. He's been in space. He's been such and such. Now, Doctor Who comes to America. And it's like, Bruce Campbell as Doctor Who. I was like, all right. 
that that's silly but like okay you know, but i would watch the fuck out of that <laughs> this is my problem with companies doing april fool's jokes is that it's a very often they're making fun of something that people actually want like uh capcom put out like a mega man dating sim ad- announcement for april fools and i'm like yeah yeah but people would actually play this that's you, you can't just announce this shit I, I did briefly consider tweeting out something like you know capitalism is an efficient system as an april fool's joke but i was like no no like there's there's like at least 15 people who would think i would be serious so I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, saying that for it, like if you came out and said some ridiculous shit like, in capitalism, I honestly feel like the poor people kind of deserve to be where they are. Like, there's somebody on the internet who does believe that, so you can't joke about that. I could tweet out something like, you know, I'm so excited, you know, for our first woman president it means a woman would finally get to drop the bombs next time. You know, as like a as like a facetious joke, but you know, someone would be like, you know, it really makes you feel excited to be a part of history. <laughs> but here's the thing, someone someone would retweet that so so conservative would be like, Aha! I do it all along. Oh god, oh god, they do this too. They do this all the time. Like, I think it was Crank. I think it was Crank. Who tweeted out that was like uh, November? It was, it was like November twentieth. We're gonna go up ahead all the white people. Oh <laughs> yeah, Antifa's gonna go up ahead. Like, I can't remember what date it was like, but on such such twentieth, uh, Antifa's gonna go up ahead all the white people. And I'm so excited, and it like hit the news. You can't write jokes like that anymore because someone is going to believe it, and it's just not fun. You went to a point about conservatives and zombie media. Oh, I'm actually really excited about this because I'm actually gonna make this um, my topic for my next ethics and world building article but um it's i've been kind of doing research on this because based off my own experiences like around the time that i was a teenager i was really into zombies but i was weird because of that and then like two years later like zombie media fucking blew up and then kept blowing up and it hit really big with uh the conservative groups and i started noting like similarities in the rhetoric um between like the idea of well guns are good uh government bad um and then mm. i get to blow away everyone i don't like you know and i get to be in charge mm. it's kind of like conservative fantasy well then while i was doing my research the other day for the article and trying to find out like other things about the zombie genre going back to the history of the genre because the genre also has like a, a weird racist history too um romero kind of um one of the things that he did when he created you know night of the living dead was he uh, erased the kind of he took out some of the racist origins of like the zombie fantasy story and he um like ripped them out of the genre and like by turning it on its head um and then conservatives brought that back <laughs> oh okay yeah, so that's um, what I'm trying to say alright I found an article by a conservative writer named David French who kind of lists out my argument for me but <laughs> <laughs> but he's like these are all good things <laughs> it would be funny if you just like quoted his article but didn't make it clear and then you're like this is what a conservative actually believes <laughs> <laughs> this is what they actually believe <laughs> So in Fear the Walking Dead, uh, he brings up that uh, there is a scene where where zombies pop up in heroin shooting galleries and police are filmed gunning down an undead aggressor. The public assumes it's an act of police brutality and not self-defense, and no one believes that it's a zombie, so no one gets warred when the actual invasion comes out, which is like... What? Wait. Yeah, Yeah, like this actually happened. So also, this goes back to my my tweets about Roseanne, where it's like, why is Roseanne considered so uniquely poisonous when stuff like this is on TV, too? Yeah, because that's very clear coding. <laughs> yeah, like, it's extremely <laughs> fucking clear. Conservatives and zombie culture, like, they, they've really, like, taken over the genre. Because um, it also um, relates to the fear of the foreign horde, right? Like, the, the savage, right, the right. savage. Um, mm. And the fears of cannibalism that are rooted uh, also in oh, racist beliefs shit. about Haitian yeah. cultures. So all of that kind of ends up bleeding together in this, like, hyper-gun-driven fantasy where they get to wield their guns against all the evil foreign brown people they don't like basically they get to be right about it without having to think about it exactly they get to be right without having to it's 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 like it's like a new form of dog whistling for me they're like i just want to kill all the zombies and okay why are all why are all of your zombies like black and gay and uh cannibals (laughs) it's um it's very weird which is my problem with like 50s and 60s nostalgia like in beginning because we tend to base a lot of our nostalgia of these time periods based off of the media that came out about during that time 
time ignoring that it is not an accurate representation of what was going on in the world. Because that shit was propaganda. Exactly. It wasn't saying, hey guys, here's what's normal. They're saying, here's what we want to be normal. Like people look at me and go, oh, the 80s seemed like such an amazing time to live in. And I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. If you were like a cishet white person, sure. Um, Everything was neon and everyone was so happy. Everyone was so happy. And like, there was so much creativity and art. I'm like, there's still creativity and art. These things didn't go away. The only thing that went away is like Reagan and Thatcher's moldy maggot ridden corpses, which, you know, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) You know, anti-sodomy laws. That's what went away in the 80s. And you know what? Thank fuck. (laughs) (laughs) The one question on that same thread, which, and now it's old hat, so we can't even talk about it at this point, which is, which is a shame, but the whole Killer Mike thing. This is episode 150 of the podcast, by the way, and oh, yeah. we, we were originally planning to do a thing where we were going to cover a Run the Jewels song as the intro, where Darren was going to do the Killer Mike parts, and I was going to do the LP parts, and it was all going to be a cute little thing, and everyone was going to love it, because it's, oh, it's the host of the show, and they're rapping along to a song we like. And then fucking Killer Mike came out and he was like, if my kid participated in the walkout, I wouldn't let him back into the house. And we were just like, like, fuck me, man. Now, mind you, mind you, he literally said that after saying, oh, I don't believe in just following the leader of the mainstream media. Oh, whatever they tell you, that's what you do. No, I'm my own man. So if my son doesn't listen to me, then he gets kicked out. Like, wait, but you just said, but so your thing is. (laughs) <laughs> Killer Mike makes me so sad because I feel like he's like he says a very profound and really good thing sometimes. Um, like like he like he was very right when he said that gun control, uh, when if it passed in America, would definitely be instituted. Um in a racist manner because we do have a racist legal system. But then he says it on NRA's platform, which I'm less like. <laughs> it feels like everything he said in that NRA TV review was like. This sounds like a parody of what they think Killer Mike's arguments are. You know, I don't think anyone is, hey, this is the way I feel right now, and that'll always be how I feel forever, ever, ever, and that's always how I always felt. You know, it's like, it could very well be that it was just like, in the moment, we've all had moments where you're like, you're following a conversation, and they are like, wait a minute, do I actually think that? <laughs> yeah, oh, well, we should totally get rid of those, but yeah, 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 that would make gun control easier. And it's just like, wait. Well, hold on a minute. <laughs> did I just reveal something about myself? Wait a minute. And then you backtrack, and then you analyze what you did, and you if you're a self-critical person, you're like, oh, shit, that was fucked up. Especially on TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, wait a minute. I want to make it clear that that's not okay. I had a heated NRA moment. The idea of saying, I would disown my son if he doesn't agree with me on something, that especially sent Notre Dame type of bells off in my yeah, fucking that, head. Yeah, that, mm. that's particularly warning, because I, I hear that rhetoric a lot, um from people who talk about like their if their kids were gay uh that's what that bothers yeah. me because the, the language exactly. for that statement killer mike had just one of the uh shitty apologies in march uh alongside laura ingram and i thought shitty apologies were going to be limited to march but <laughs> i just saw a shitty one yesterday um but killer <laughs> mike's <laughs> that's as far as i'm going into that one killer mike uh he issued an apology uh, for his statements, but he directed them solely to the uh, children from Parkland and the March for Our Lives uh, marches. Basically going like, hey, you know, what I said was taken out of context. It was used to discredit your movement, and I support you guys 100%. And it was like, all right, cool. What about all the other shit? <laughs> so what about the shit that you said that was in context? <laughs> Yeah, like, what are your feelings on that? Is that okay? Like, he's, like, that totally reeked of damage control to, oh, shit, I'm looking like I'm shit-talking a bunch of kids. I can't have that. But it's like, all right, all right. How about the points where you, like, word-for-word quoted the NRA spokesperson and said all this other shit? Like, you stand by that now? I'm still really stuck on the fact that he said all of this shit while on NRA's platform. Like, that's, like... Here's my thing. The thing... Yeah, it's like, the NRA... Like, you remember the Philando Castile thing, right? Yeah. You remember when it was like, yo, he he confessed to the officer that he had a gun, and the police officer just stuck, like just shot him. And it was just like, yo, he was just trying to tell you so that you don't freak out. You know, and it was like, hey, I, I but I am a licensed carrier. You know what I mean? He was a member. He did all the right things that he was supposed to do. Still got shot. And then everyone's eyes turned to the NRA like, yo, 
this is your moment to say, look, we're not racist because we're standing with the with uh with Philando Castile. Fucking crickets. Where's your full-throated response that you have with every fucking thing else? Oh, there's been a school shooting. Let Charleston Heston go down to, to a fucking uh, courthouse and be like, yeah, they will take it from my cold, dead hands. They don't want black people to be armed. Like, this, the NRA wants, um, I mean, this gets this get back to what I said about, like, conservatives and zombie media and their and gun culture is they want white people to be armed against the savage horde, quotes. You know, that's, that's, that's what they're pushing. That's their message. They talk all this shit like, no, 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 we're fighting against the government. Government tyranny. Da, da, da. But like you said, it was we need to trust the government. We need to work with them. We, we oh, the, concerning cops, we need to respect cops. We need to respect authority. We need to. But then when Obama came in office, ah, holding my gun, ain't nobody gonna take it. When the black guy is in power, all of a sudden the government's bad. Mr. Alex Jones could not wait to dive his nose back into uh, uh, the White House's ass when it comes to Trump. But what I hate about it is that they don't have to admit that. Right? They they literally don't have to. Because this is what they do. They don't say, hey, we're not supporting Philando Castile because he's black. No, they just don't say anything. It's hard to get someone on their racism and on their bullshit and call them out when, yeah, they'll be full-throated coincidentally when the white person uh, is in trouble. But for the black person, I, oh, I just, oh man, I just slept through that alarm. I just didn't hear it. Oh man, wow, what a coincidence! I just happened to be outside when the news story happened. Reagan and Bush's and uh, Nixon's and Clinton's um, Southern strategy, you know, where they don't, they don't have to say racism. They just had institute like we just want a, you know, a future for your your children. They don't have to say white children because they know society is going to fill in the blanks for them. It, it's it's very much how the NRA operate. They don't have to mention race to know that their viewers are going to get the message like perfect example remember that uh that ad back in the day who's gonna pick up the phone at 12 a.m when your kid is asleep or something like that and then you see like a kid playing with a flower and you see a bomb go off or some shit like that and of course it's a little white kid because they were not gonna have a little mexican kid in there you know what i'm saying <laughs> like if it was a little mexican kid in there that ad would have passed by and no one would have remembered it to this fucking day but a little little white girl picking a little flower. Oh no! Oh no! A little white girl fell down the well. Exactly. And and now I'm not saying you should not save little white girls who fall down wells. I'm just saying let's help the black girls that fall down the wells too. <laughs> there is there is a well falling down crisis in America, and we need all of our kids to be safe. Make a Sonic says about not falling <laughs> down wells. Hey kids, falling down wells is no good. <laughs> This week on the Going Off Podcast, we've got another double shot of Patreon-requested album reviews. First off, we're going to start with The Minstrel Show by our hometown boys make good, Lil Brother. So this review was requested by Ben Collin. And uh, thanks a lot, bro, because this one took me back. <laughs> really did, man. It, it's been a minute since I've even listened to this album, so it was a nice little reminder. Because, right, like, right. Th there's parts of the album, and we'll get into it, where yeah. this as an album is... It's different, because it's it's kind of a concept, but only in its presentation. Yeah. But there's some tracks on there, like, like cheating. It's, it's not a not straightforward... Thing. It's in what the is, presentation of being like a... A love song, like R&B, but it's not funny. Like, it's not like, it's not like, it's not, there's no jokes in it. Like, it's like a Weird Al R&B parody song, but there's yeah. no joke. Like, it's like, oh, you were cheating on me, girl, that was so bad. And it's like, that's all they had. Like, they wrote the template for, hey, we're gonna make the, the you know, woman done me wrong song. And it's like, we're going to add in the jokes later, but let's just have the template here. And they just never added in what was supposed to be funny about this song. You know what I mean? Because it has the air of comedy, but not the execution of it, you know? Speaking of kind of open-ended, um, I might have just missed it, but with the album being called The Minstrel Show, right? Uh-huh. Did they ever really explain, like, no. No, they how did not. it yeah. was supposed to be? Like, I know what a minstrel show is. And I've seen clips, and they're horrible, and they're extremely uncomfortable and unfortunate, but I think people should see them to get a glimpse of where pop culture and our history was at a disturbing period of time. But mm. with this, like, I know at one point the minstrel shows turned into 
black people actually putting on blackface but playing the stereotypes. But the album here doesn't really portray that at all. Like, it doesn't turn the concept of the minstrel show on its head, except for, which might have been the unintentional little bit, is that it's hosted by a white guy, Chris Hardwick, which is kind of random, but he's the host of the minstrel show. And is it like Paul Rosenberg in there at some point? Is he? Yeah, he's oh, at the shit. end. It's like, this is Paul Rosenberg. I gotta go back to my kids now. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, sort of like, right. This album's fucking weird, dude. It's, it's a trip. Like, it's like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Like, what's the, like, this really does feel like I'm listening to my friends' albums whenever they do these skits. The intro and the outro are kind of weird, but everything in the middle is great. The beginning is funny. When they say, you're watching you being you black niggas production. <laughs> I was like, yeah. that threw me oh, off. Oh, yeah. And then at the <laughs> end, it's like, hey, uh, we've got something to say about UPN. UPN? And the album just ends with a long censor beep. Yeah, it's like, it's like I'm telling you the truth. I feel about this motherfucker. Oh, you want to hear the truth? I'm, uh, I was like, that that was funny. But the problem is, there's been no setup this whole time. Like, yeah. Everything in the middle just kind of goes along as... It, it feels like a normal album, yeah. Yeah. It, like, if there were songs where it's like, you know, it'd be interesting if they had songs like dissecting gangster rap, right? Where mm. it's like, you know, it, it sounds like it's a gangster rap song, but then halfway through it's like, well, let me tell you what I'm actually going through. You know, like, it starts off like, yeah, I'm just here to kill you, blah, 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 blah. and then it's like, because my mother never loved me, and it, you know, like, and, that would have been and cool. were there any tracks that, like, dissected like race yeah yeah like that never happened like there was never even like a oh they want us to act like this it's like the new minstrel show like you know like yeah there was never any commentary it was just sort of window dressing for the thing you know yeah it was interesting presentation because most of the songs just tended to be like either love songs or just like heartfelt like dude all for you Oh my! Can we just skip ahead to all for you? I had to play that song back like three times. Oh, I—that is a rarity, by the way. That's a stamp of approval by <laughs> rap critic. I remember the first time I ever rewound a verse. It was the mystery of chess boxing by Master Killer. Oh yeah. And ever since I, I and I actually had to like call up a friend of mine. I was like, "Yo, have you ever actually heard this verse?" <laughs> like you know. So I, I've always considered the the rewind. To be like, that's how you know it was. It was so good. Your brain just needs that, 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 that serotonin or whatever the fuck that it got again. You know what I mean? Like the uh, the the intro to the song is called uh, "Diary of a Mad Black Daddy," and it's the outro of the last track. The the chorus being sung by by a young kid, and you hear a, like this older man yelling in the background, and he's like yelling for his son's attention. And at the end of it, like, the, like there's this phone ringing. And it's like, is anyone going to answer that phone? And and the, the kid answers the phone and goes, Daddy, it's for you. It's like, hello. And then the next song just starts, and it sounds like it's over a phone. And it's like, hey, Dad, this is for you. And it's like, oh, my fucking God, that song. It's just this guy talking about his marriage and fatherhood went to shit. And it's like... Hey, you know, I can't be too mad at you for leaving me because I ended up doing it to my own son. And it's like, oh, God. I know a lot of people want me to fail as a father. And the thought of that haunts me, especially when I check my rearview mirror and don't see him in his car seat. So the next time it's late as night and I'm laid up with a woman, I'm going to make my wife talking about how we're going to make a life. I'm thinking about child support, alimony, visitation rights, because that's the only outcome if you can't make it right. Like pissed off with the children feeling the same pain. So, Pop, how could I blame because you couldn't maintain? I did the same thing. It's just like, oh, oh, it's just, ah. You know, it's this is the opposite of serotonin. This is like, it's that that bittersweet sort of like when someone just tells a, 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 a truth, you know? Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, and it's just, there's no way to... It's kind of, like, cringe, but not the way that people use it today. Like, they're okay rappers who randomly can flip a switch and be fucking just 
incredible. Like, <laughs> you know, like you listen to this song, it's like, all right, this is good. I don't know what everyone was like, you know, wilding about, but okay. And then you hear like, um, again, uh, I, I'm looking at some of these lyrics, like, you don't want no problems. I'm a nigga that'll solve them. I don't know. Like, can we stop rhyming problem and solve them? Like, I don't know, <laughs> Ice killed that in like 1991. Oh, but, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But then, like, you have a lyric like, work and plan a perfect verse, then burst like a person that jerked from a circus cannon, then landed to earth. It's me on the song, featured your fleet, breathing as strong. It's as a gypsy reading a palm with a drawn heater. And it's just like, this sounds clever, but when you think about it, it's like, wait, breathing like a gypsy reading someone's palm with a drawn heater? <laughs> you read it back, it's like, oh. Wait, does the gypsy have a gun? Why does the gypsy have a gun? Wait, <laughs> Why would the gypsy the, have the gun? Yeah, and does the guy who's getting his palm read have a gun? Why mm. does he have a gun? Is he like, read my palm, but it better be positive? Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> you know, this is just weird imagery. Like, but they were trying, like, you know, they were trying to come up with an unconventional punchline, but it's just confusing. So at the end of Hiding Places, it's mm. like, Joe Scudder sounds like he's about to come up, and he's the white guy on uh, Loving It, right? And, uh, yeah. you know, and you listen to Loving It, and you're like, okay, so there's a white guy on a rap, on a rap album called The Minstrel Show. What what are they going to do? <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. Like, what? <laughs> Where's this going to go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, at the end of one of the songs, it's like, oh, wait, that's another thing. Does it also feel like this album's a little out of order? Like, at the end of uh, track number six... You hear so you hear Joe's got to sound like he's rapping the verse to loving it, right? He's like, every day I wake up, hold him on, and then someone comes in. Uh, you're due on stage, uh, and like you know, you're due on stage in two minutes. He's like, oh, thank you too, you know. And he's getting up and he's getting ready to go, and you hear him walking, and it's just like, um, I know this is a white guy, and the concept is that this is a minstrel show. Is he about to like? What are you? Come on now, like where are you going with this? And but then the next song doesn't have Joe Scudder in it. It's not um uh it's not loving it, which has that verse in it. It's something completely different. It starts off with Pooh rapping first. Who's so just like, well then why did you even have that little thing at the end? You know. And then it was on like either sincerely yours or or still is through where they're like thank you for joining the minstrel show this has been da 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 and i uh you know executive produced by this guy da 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 and i was like um there's still three more tracks like what are you doing yeah there were oftentimes like rejoining and whatever and it's like i don't know i didn't mind it i i, I thought it was a little weird but it was whatever i thought you were going to say the one song that like i wish i remembered which one it was where like he starts a verse and then he's like i'm going to do it over and then the next song starts, and it's like that verse again, but it picks up. I thought that was pretty cool. It's the ending of Beautiful Morning. And he, it sounds like he's about to start another verse. He's like, wait, let me do it again. And then he hit the start of the next beat. Yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. I didn't think it was out of order. And the, the things you're mentioning, they didn't register to me at the time. So I guess I must not have thought they were too weird. But I totally agree with you that, like, the songs go from good to great. They're not all great. Overall, it's a really solid album. Like, there aren't too many low points, except for, like, the unnecessary cheating. The low points are the skits and, like, that song. It was just like... It, it sounded like it was from a different album, dude. Like, it sounded like they originally planned to do, like, a whole, like, thing of, like, ooh, let's do a concept album. Like, Big Pooh was like, hey, let's do a concept album. We're gonna do this, this, and this. And uh, the other two guys were like... Eh. I don't really know if I'm dedicated to this idea. Like, if it was a variety show, and it was like, hey, up next is so-and-so, and maybe, like, every three songs or whatever, there's, like, a novelty thing. But even as a novelty thing, why does it go on for almost four minutes? If it's a funny skit, get in and out. Fucking Fifth and Fashion is only a minute and 20. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a commercial. Dude, there should have been more commercial skits. If you're going to do skits for a minstrel show concept, have 30-second, like, ad things. I think that would fit. I will say, I kind of didn't like the Diary of a Mad Black Daddy skit. I understand how it led into it, but I didn't like how he was talking in a manner that was supposed to be jokish. 
You know, all oh, these goddamn kids with the. How about you do that homework? It's just like so over. Oh, yeah. Over ridiculous. How so about that- you loving some long division? Yeah. It's Where like. It's like it- if this was leading into a funny song, then yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like but it should have been like a serious <laughs> thing. Like, you know, like where the fuck were you last night? Get your ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, th- that would have been cool. But it, yeah, like you said, it was just kind of like, oh, this is going into something serious. Okay. Um, you know, but uh, but I did like when it actually did go through it and, you know, when it started and stuff. I didn't like this uh, this uh, one specific song where it's they repeated a, a, a certain type of play on words. And it was just kind of like, you guys didn't hear each other's verses. Like, on uh, not enough, right? Okay. Um, there was like, radio, them suckers never play us. Took our wax to the station and they straight played us. I was ah, like, yeah. Um, first of all, you just rhymed. Play us with played us with, with played us. Uh, and secondly, that it's a little confusing to the average person because you just said they don't play us, and then you said we took our wax to their station and they played us. <laughs> like you know, like, like I, I know, get what, it. like yeah, I know what you mean. But like the average person is gonna be like, wait, so did they play them or not? And then the next <laughs> line is like, in the ne- uh, the next verse is like. But Big Pooh goes like, yeah, and they still trying to play us, but not spin the record or disc. And just like, I get it. Other than those moments and just like general sort of like, they're above average. They're cool. They're cool. And then every now and then they'll hit you with a moment that's just like, holy fucking shit. I think Slow It Down was actually pretty nice. Uh, where he's talking about, like, oh, yeah, yeah, hitting on this girl. He's like, I'll scoop you up on my porch. Psych. You know, I got a Nissan that I'm paying for. Still got a lease on, you know. <laughs> that was a good line, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's not, it's not like I'm completely, like, going, like, oh, they fucking suck. It really is kind of hard because it's just like, well, they really do have some, like, okay bars at times. And at times they're fucking phenomenal. But then they get weighed down by these fucking skits, man. The skits are bad. You hate the Meandering. Skits. I don't like the skits. You're right. Imagine if if every one of these skits like really had, you know, funny jokes in them that made you want to come back to them. You know? Right. This album would be elevated a lot more than just like, hey, the premise is supposed to be funny, but the execution actually it kinda isn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so- I wanna give the album a four, right? Yeah. But the more I think about it, it's like, is it? Though, like, so, it's good. Like I, like, like I said before, it's good. It's not great. Yeah. Like, three and a half probably sounds the best because... That's literally where I am, too. While there's some really good songs on here, just overall, as, like, an entire thing... As experience, yeah. It just doesn't all hold up, you know? And it's unfortunate, because when it's good, it's really good. So, going to the next album... Yeah, yeah, this is, this is a long time coming, my friends. This is the long-awaited logic request. We've got uh, Zachary, oh boy, Zachary Taylor Thomas, Zachary Ty Bryan, um, oh, it's, it's Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Zachary Ty Bryan. I fucked up. Fucking Home Improvement fans out there are gonna eat me alive. Um, Zachary Askew, I think is how you say it. Again, I'm sorry if I did. It's A-Y-S-C-U-E. I think that's Askew or Askew. I'm going to say Zachary Askew requests Logic, the incredible true story. Is it incredible, though? This is a tale (laughs) as old as time. We say this every single time. We don't like Logic? Not that. When, <laughs> when we request an album and people say, that's not the good one, this is the good one. Yeah, yeah, Logic's yeah. Logic's new album's trash. You gotta listen to his good one. Same thing mm. happened when we talked about uh, your boy, fucking uh, Absol, right? Where people are like, oh, no, no, don't listen to, what was it called? You need, you need to listen to Control System, because that's the really good one. So here we are, talking about Logic's uh, album that, from what I remember, most of the comments saying this is his best. Yeah. Oh, and, and of course, if we don't review this right, they're gonna be like, "Well, that's album Logic. You need mixtape Logic." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, f- how far back 
Are you going to push the goalpost, my friends? <laughs> you got to stick with it. So, yeah, we're talking about Logic the Incredible True Story. I didn't like it that much. How about you? F- fuck no. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Dude, you have I... no idea. I was waiting. I was waiting for that fucking swerve. That, <laughs> man. I do it a lot. I went I? into this. I didn't have high hopes, <laughs> but your boy Logic, he made me. Inve- no. He pulled through. <laughs> Logic pulled it out. Logic had to do it to him. No. Dude. People want us to like Logic so fucking bad, bro. Like, I'm sorry. It's just not It's happening. impossible. I can't get into okay. Logic. It just won't happen. So, last time on the Going Off podcast, when we talked about. His last album, whatever the fuck it was called. Uh, everybody, everybody. Everybody, everybody, everybody. That's yeah, because right. I know he said he says it on here a couple times. You know, everybody uh, cool, everybody fine, everybody people, everybody died. Oh. Everybody, <laughs> everybody uh. cool. Um, so there was an underlining story on that album where it was a guy talking to God. Oh yeah, by... and you know what? I like that skit. Those skits. I, I didn't actually, like those. I really enjoyed them. I thought that they presented such a cool, interesting idea that I was like, wow, man, that makes me think about life and this. And that. That's actually really cool. This album, on the other goddamn hand. Oh, what the wh- fuck is the point? Oh, my God. You wasted Spike Spiegel, bro. So basically what, what, what happens is randomly throughout the album, there are these skits of these two travelers. And oh, my God, bro. If this don't sound like the most fucking, like, some fanboy who likes Cowboy Bebop wrote fan fiction about, like, what if Spike Spiegel was traveling on a spaceship with me? You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, hey, look, this is what it would be like, eh? And it's just like, oh, oh, we're listening to one of the greatest albums ever. The album that changed everything. Stop it! Oh, I'm about to listen to that logic. Oh, you mean the album that changed everything? Oh, fuck oh. off. I I rolled so hard, I about flipped my goddamn car. Dude, I almost wanted to stop the album just from that. Like, no, Get the don't do that. fuck out of here. <laughs> they moved everything. They moved civilization out into space, and they're trying to find a new planet to inhabit. Now, on the surface, that doesn't sound... Like it would be that bad. Yeah, sounds like AE, what unfortunately you know. happens, though, is it gets so bloated and convoluted that what they try to do here is try to do clever social commentary on, like, four fucking issues, but none of them cement. So, you got the first track, and you got them, you got the establishing that they're in a spaceship and they're listening to a Logic album and that it's the it's the album that changed the game, apparently. Um, and then you listen to Fade Away, and it's, like, the most generic-ass shit. Dude. Um, okay, so, first of all, let's talk about these lyrics. Let's talk about these lyrics. Yeah, day yeah. Day to day, man, that's the only way they gonna know my name until it fade away. Like, uh, yeah, they'll know who you are until time goes by and slowly you become less culturally relevant. That's just how everything goes. What, are you, what the fuck <laughs> are you talking about? They're gonna remember my name until they don't. Like, well, yes, that's how that works. <laughs> like, you know, America's gonna exist until it doesn't. Like, yes, that, yes, I know. <laughs> like, that's how all empires go, bro. Like, it, it, wouldn't it have been a little bit more ambitious to be like, it'll never fade away. Ah, that's the sort of, you know what I mean? But to, just to be like, this thing will happen until it does not happen anymore. It's like, well, yes, I know that that's how it really goes. I also got to take off points for him thinking it was a clever in rhyme to say I read it on Reddit. Yeah, I was like, logic. You're not. Stop, Stop. it. Stop. That's literally <laughs> how that, that play on words. That's re- the reason why that play on words exists. That's the point of the name Reddit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not clever. You know what I'm saying? So he does all this bullshit. Then we get this track where, oh, the system, the like the operating system on the spaceship Ugh. has like a voice to it now. Yeah. And it can talk to you. And that's supposed to be a funny bit. And her name is like Talia. There's nothing happening. There's nothing interesting. And there's nothing funny happening in these skits. Like with at least the everybody skit, it was like, wow, that's an interesting concept. Let's see where it goes. With this, it's just like, Okay, so that that's the same over the top black actor from the last album. Okay, 
because uh, you know the way he talks is like, yo, man, I'm one to talk to Big Sean, bro. It's like, oh. please stop talking like that. Please. Stop oh, talking oh like God. Because this <laughs> literally, it literally sounds like, it literally sounds like Homeboys in Outer Space. Like, fucking, it does. hey, look, we got this high concept thing, but we got to bring in the black audience, you know? And like, we've even got, a, like, a female voice on the computer. That was on Homeboys in Outer Space. <laughs> you just made an album version of Homeboys in Outer Space. And, without and the I'm fucking to, Simpsons producers. Oh, but I'm sorry. This is an incredible true story. It's not true. It's not incredible. And it's barely a story. Like... I'm not even sure if the applies. Like, <laughs> what part of this album is telling me any truth? This is one of those things where, like, hey, listen to all this backstory that happened. Wow, that seems very interesting. Why aren't you showing us that? Why are you just showing these two people talking and doing nothing with the information that you told us about? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like... And then, and then, you know, they, he tries to uh, incorporate space themes into the Upgrade song, right? He's like, oh, my metaphors are on cloud nine. But then he says, and the meaning behind them is so vague. Which, vague is never a word positively used to describe a piece of art. His, his work is just so vague. Like, that's not what, no one says that. that that's when you're trying to insult someone, like, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. It seems yeah. like you have no per. It seems like you don't really have any direction. This shit is vague. Hmm. Kind of like this fucking album. Where the fuck are you going with this? This album yeah. is incredibly vague. Yeah, dude. And because it's like, ugh. Like I know what he's. He meant to say like cryptic or some shit like that. Yeah. Like, ooh, yeah. My stuff. You can't figure it out because it uh, evades a uh, 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 definition. You know that's what he was trying to go for. But vague is not the word to use for that. And then you have Like Woe, maybe the worst song on the fucking album. It's like, wait, is he yeah. trying to make like a P. Diddy type, you know, hit song now? Like, oh, Like Woe. And this is everybody going through it like, whoa, through it like, whoa, through it like, whoa, going through it like, whoa. And I'm See, like, the, the thing is, we're talking a lot about the skits because for me, honestly, that's all I fucking remember about this goddamn album. Because the songs are so fucking forgettable. Like, like I said, this chorus, like, whoa, through it, like, whoa, going through it, like, whoa. Again, f fucking compelling. Like, what the fuck are you talking? This is boring. <laughs> and then, and then, from Lundis to Perry, yes, very extraordinary. Fuck around and took the bus and the ferry. Should have seen the itinerary. Then we made it back home, like, whoa. I went from London to Paris. Yeah, that's very extraordinary. All right, that's cool. I fucked around and took a bus and a ferry. Like, usually when someone says, like, I fuck around and did this, they're like, oh, I fuck around and made a million. I didn't even try, and I did this yeah. insane thing. You know, like, that, that's what they mean by that. But I fucked around and took the bus and the ferry. And <laughs> you know, have you ever just fuck around and use public transportation? <laughs> and Who I can relate? Woo! <laughs> I, you know what? I'm not even going to analyze that anymore. I can't do any better than that. That was just perfect. <laughs> How are you going to go on a song and ca called I Am The Greatest and at one point say, I be on my big L braggadocios rap shit? Fuck off. <laughs> big L. Why? Because uh... you fucking took a big L on this goddamn album. <laughs> the only good song is Young Jesus to me. Even then, that has a whole bunch of problems with it. Like, okay, so... This is the typical, like, braggadocious, I'm the best ever type of song, right? I mean, it's called fucking Young Jesus, you know? You know or the things I hear, like, oh, he's a director. He wants to be a director. He likes movies. And it's just like... Oh, well, he really paints a picture, all right. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, what the fuck? Like, this... It, you would think someone who's supposed to be having a director's eye would have some sort of fucking focus, you know? Oh, and then... Okay, is it just me, or does he spell Limbo's name wrong? He goes, it's me and B-I-G-L-N-B-O. Yeah, yeah, he's, he skips the E, yeah. And it's just like, um, why? Why did you, why did you mess, why did you mess that up? Oh, oh I look, the annotation. this is funny. Oh, yeah, huh? artist's annotation. Funny part is how I don't fully spell his name, but this shit flowed so well, I said fuck it. Oh, okay. Mm. That that describes a lot of this album. 
funny I, part? That's not a funny part. Yeah, it's not even. Yeah, it's not funny a, part. It's not even like a notable thing, except for the fact that you spelled it wrong. His verse actually wasn't bad going through this verse, right? Still can't believe I didn't get a shorty pregnant, man. That's the definition of a life sentence. A whole lot of beef, no bread, no lettuce, because I couldn't keep it in my briefs, man. That's pathetic. Fuck all that back and forth. This ain't a game of tennis. I'll be in my motherfucking chamber like the Senate. Again, like, you, like, oh, okay, you got bars, all right. Scared to go outside, but I know I can't prevent it. I'm for, oh, oh, the way he rhymed this, he says, scared to go outside, but I know I can't prevent it. I'm forever alone in my mind. You didn't have a rhyme for prevent it, did you? Scared to go outside, but I know I can't prevent it. I'm forever alone in my mind. <laughs> it's like, that, like, rhymes like that just sound like, okay, you didn't have anything. Like, you know? And then, but then the next line is, See, I'm a self-diagnosed hypochondriac, either at the club or on the tour bus is where you'll find me at. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I heard I'm a self-diagnosed hypochondriac, I was like, can we make a song about that? Because what's that about? You know, like, I was like, wait a minute, what? And then you look at the thing, it's like, oh, yeah, every now and then, you know, I get a little tremor. I was like, that sounds like an interesting song. Why aren't you talking about that? But instead, he's talking about... Again, not a bad first verse, but then afterwards he's like, yeah, I know that I'm living like I got it okay, yeah, but I swear that I'm not that neurotic over here, yeah. He's like, I'm either at the crib or on the tour bus, that's where you'll find me. And then the line he said before that was, he's a self-diagnosed hypochondriac. So my brain goes like, is that, is that a person who doesn't go out much? But then no, you look and you say, oh, it's someone who has tremors. Well, that wasn't explained in any capacity in the verse. And then he goes on and says, yeah, I know that I, I'm living like I got it okay, yeah. And it's like, wait, you're living like you got it okay? But I thought you were uh, either in your crib or on a tour bus, so you seem pretty alone. And you're apparently a hypochondriac, so you're not living like you got it okay. And then he says, but I swear that I'm not that neurotic over here, yeah. It's like, oh, so is that... Again, like, I'm just thinking, like, where the fuck are you going with it? You're like, he's tying himself in knots. And not, like, there's no clear, you need to be clear on what you're talking about. And that little verse right there, it was just like, look, if I didn't give you any hint of what was happening, I just started rapping that to you, you'd be confused. Because it doesn't, it doesn't make it clear what the fuck is happening. And then you get a second verse where you got Big Limbo coming in, and, you know, they're alright, they're cool, but, like, after a while, they're trying to flow over each other, they're trying to do the Raekwon and, you know, uh, Ghostface killer thing, but it was like... You can tell they didn't record these at the same time. So they're just cutting in the audio at different points. And, like, like there, there will be a part where, okay, first of all, Limbo has this line where he says, uh, you better believe us or leave us grabbing your bitch's cleavage like, woo-ha. You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, and this was the song you liked? Uh, Not for that line. <laughs> you're fucking tearing it to shreds over here. And I'm like, this was the good one? Yeah, I know. And then bitches want an autograph. I signed them titties and crayon. Like, goddamn. That was hilarious to Big Limbo. So he says, I signed them titties and crayon. Like, goddamn. Like, that's not goddamn. That's just, why did you do that? Like, How I, could you do that? Like, that wouldn't you, work well. Like, the reality of him, first of all, having a crayon on him. <laughs> like, that's what person silly, yeah. over four has a crayon on them? <laughs> but, but I understand it's a ridiculous situation, right? But it's like, hey, can I have an autograph? I'm a huge fan. And <laughs> all that Limbo, you know, the world famous Limbo, <laughs> signing autographs. And How did Logic get Limbo for the album? That, that is quite the get. And then he signs the titties in crayon. <laughs> and afterwards he goes, God damn! Like, you know, like, like, that scenario just looks like, like, hey, could you, you know... I sign this piece of paper, no, takes out a crayon, rubs it on her breast, which leaves no mark, because crayons don't really leave a mark on skin. <laughs> and then yeah. afterwards, no. he thought that was so fucking funny. He was like, God damn! He's like, uh, okay. Uh, God damn, why did I waste that great line on Logic album? I should have used it on my own shit. I'm just giving this shit away. Like, couldn't you just start this album with the sound of you just sucking your own dick? Couldn't you just do that? That'll be the next one. Maybe you could do, oh, ooh, you like using science, right? So uh, he uses a portal gun and just sticks his dick in the portal <laughs> and just sucks his own fucking dick. Because that's exactly what the fuck this album was. Him sucking his own dick for no goddamn reason. And not giving us any reason to give a shit. I'm sorry. This album is bad. 
This album is bad. Sorry, I could barely make it through it the second time. This isn't one of those, listen to this because it's so horrible. It's just like, no, he's competent. He's just not anything beyond that. Like, I think that's a better description, right? Because to just say it's bad is not doing it justice, right? It's not, it's not like evil. It's not like, you know, this goes against what hip-hop is or anything like that. It's just uneventful and uninteresting and really wants you to think it is. Like, I'm reading these lyrics and, like, they're not bad. But, and like, and he's not bad as a performer, but he does, he's not good at painting pictures, which. No. He, which is something he seems to think he is good at. Right? Like, I'm, I'm expecting fucking Ghostface Killer on these fucking songs. Right. right? Like, he's yeah. gonna give us stories that are so descriptive that it's just like, dude, I feel like I'm on the fucking spaceship. You know what I'm saying? But no! Yeah. The, these songs have nothing to do with anything like that. And you can't ignore it because there's skits and the fucking album cover. It looks like he's piloting a ship. What would you give it? Um, maybe two. I would say two. Yeah, I think that's fair. I was, and I know we're gonna catch shit, but fuck it. But then I remembered all the pointless ass skits. So two for the going off podcast. Thank you very much for checking us out this week. Big thanks. Out to our good friend, Darian Dawes, for finally joining us. Long overdue. We should have had him on it a long time ago, but better late than never. Uh, hopefully have them on again in the very near future. Talk about more dim tweets. If this is your first time checking us out on the show, all of our old episodes are on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Just search Goin Off Podcast, G-O-I-N apostrophe off podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Check us out on Patreon. And until next time, for the Going Off Podcast, I'm Muse. And I'm the Rap Critic.